Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I am your host for today, Gianna Whitford. Usually we have a co-host, Maria Velasquez, but she is out today. Don't worry, you'll hear her again soon. I am so excited today to bring someone who is going to make this podcast episode a rip rollicking good time is how I'm going to describe it. We have Richard Mellick, who's the Director of Product Strategy for Endpoint Security at Zimperium. Our topic is why cybersecurity marketing sucks and how can we do it better? But tell us a little bit more about you before we jump into why cybersecurity marketing sucks. I think I, I think I want to come out and just honestly say that like I've been blessed and privileged to be in the right place or the wrong place at the right time throughout my whole career and willing to take the risks. And so my background is I was a network administrator in the Marine Corps. I joined the military after high school because I had absolutely no direction. And um became a network administrator. And, you know, if you ever want to know the most thankless job in, in the military, it's the guy who resets the password for the commanding officer's computer. You know, you're being green fighting machine, trained to train to go to war. It's like, here's your new password. Sir. <laughs> and so I, I got out and I, after my four years, had my contract, did multiple deployments, um, did the Marine Corps thing and got out, went to college, got my English degree in journalism minor. And it's like, oh, I'm going to be a journalist. That's fun. That's creative. Well, it doesn't make money. So I had to get a real job at the same time as well, pursuing my journalism side. And I ended up in marketing. And it wasn't until about three years in, about two or three years in, I don't know, time has lost all meaning to me at my age. And the head of social media for WebRoot took a chance with me. I was looking for a full-time gig. I was done kind of doing my own thing. The journalism thing clearly wasn't making any money. It was fun, but uh, Catherine Kaiser is her name. And I will always appreciate the fact that she took a chance with somebody who during the interview, when asked, what do you know about our product? And I said, absolutely nothing. Your website's horrible. Oh. She took a chance with me. And my job was to come in and kind of help to build that story around so people could start navigating the content. Because, you know, ultimately, that was what my my college education had become was mm -hmm. storytelling. Three and a half years at WebRoot was, uh, was, you know, really helped me focus and build up my name within the cybersecurity community, Spiceworks, and met a lot of great people that I ended up, I've ended up working with multiple times throughout, uh, throughout my career. And one of those, Matt Stevenson, who at the time was at Symantec mm -hmm. while I was at my room, he went over to Silence and he called me up and he goes, I need your resume. You're going to come work with me. All right. Send him my resume. And I get a call from his boss, Brian Gale. And he's like, all right, so let's meet tomorrow and then we'll get you another a couple interviews in two weeks. I don't <laughs> even know who this guy was. And, you know, a month later, I had a job and... My first day on the job was in Austin, Texas, you know, traveling for the organization as one of their global spokespeople in the product marketing space. Had a lot of fun, you know, really got into the technical weeds, really got excited about everything that the new tools and the new endpoint security tools were really delivering. Did that for three and a half years until the inevitable purchase came from BlackBerry, moved on to a new startup called Automox, doing patch management, risk mitigation. I enjoyed that for a while. Took another chance at a, a, a startup valid network. That chance did not play off. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. And then ultimately ended up over here at Zimperium as Director of Product Strategy for Endpoint Security. Amazing. Okay, Richard, you have this storied career. You have this plenty of experience across multiple startups, multiple things, plenty of experience in product marketing. And we want to ask you now, the state of cybersecurity marketing as is, there's a lot of talk about cybersecurity marketing. And in fact, it's like one of the reasons we started our group. We needed a place for all us cybersecurity marketers to get better, get together and become better as an industry because there are a lot of things that marketers do that don't work in our specific vertical. So uh -huh. what are some trends that you're seeing that aren't working? <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking back to this one conversation that's actually occurring in the, in the society where I erased my response <gasps> because it turned into an extremely critical 
breakdown of what they were trying to do. And I'm not going to name names or anything. I don't think that's fair. Zero trust is an architecture. It's, it's, a, it's, it's not a product. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's own that right now. If, if you're an organization that's coming out and saying that you are providing a complete zero trust solution, you do not understand what zero trust is. Zero trust is 100% a theory. No one has completed zero trust. Zero trust is like cybersecurity. It's an ever-moving target. And I have seen so many startups come into the security space trying to you know, jump on these this trend of, oh, we're going to provide a zero trust architecture, a zero trust solution, one touch zero trust, um, the likes of it. And I think you know the conversation or somebody that posted it up. It's not real. Zero trust is made up of multiple ingredients. Yeah. And that to, just to see that over and over and over again, it's just, it's heart wrenching to me because it's, it's over promising something that even the biggest players, the people who came up with the concept, are still working mm-hmm. towards. I did not see. Um, that's I did not see that uh, that conversation. So I have no idea who you're talking about. So this is totally like, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm totally honest in this answer. And that, um, yeah, anyone who's saying that they're a full zero trust solution, a full zero trust solution that adheres to all of the. Yeah zero trust methodology which is like you said it's a methodology it's a theory it's like a way of doing things it's yeah. not an actual thing so that is potentially or definitely will turn off prospective buyers who are more sophisticated yeah. they'll see that and be like Bleh, you know more vendor bullshit yeah it is vendor bullshit but that's my bigger concern about this is when you see a lot of organizations just jumping on the latest trends of topics or conversation or words or you know, word vomit that they're going to put out there. What they're ultimately doing is discrediting security in general. Mm-hmm. There are startups that are coming out that are very well funded, but not very well led. We're, we're all aware of them. We see them, they, they come and go. But they're selling solutions to organizations that they can't back up, or they're just repackaging someone else's product into their own little UX or endpoint agent. And that's just, unfortunately... That could leave a bad taste in an organization's mouth. It's like, we want to do the right thing from the start, and they're educated poorly on it because someone's just trying to make a quick buck. Whereas if they came about it and says, what is zero trust? What is next generation? What is endpoint security? What is network control? Like, Explain this to me. And they come out educated, then they make a decision on it. You know, Then it's a little bit different, but poor marketing and poor sales strategies, unfortunately, really ruin a lot of it. Yeah. What other things are you saying? There's obviously the malignment of, uh, of, of true security words in turning them and shaping them into eventual buzzwords. But what else? I know you have a lot of opinions. Let's just nip it in the heels right now. Marketing is not the end solution to your sales goal. Marketing is the top of the funnel. Marketing is part of the funnel development, part of the pipeline development, part of the data, part of everything. But ultimately, it's on the sales rep to close the deal, to understand their product. And all, all too often, I talk to sales reps and out in the field and I say, you know, how are you selling your product? What are you, what are you representing? And they don't know. They don't know their space. That goes back to the whole zero trust thing. But they're not listening to marketing. And this is something I think that all of us marketers are sharing is that we do a lot of work. And these these reps are going out there and they're telling their own story, not even a story that makes sense. You know, I don't want a rep going out there and representing a product in a way that, you know, misaligns to what our actual capabilities or solution are. As a product subject expert, I'm here to train and and guide our sales reps and guide our sales teams into the direction that they need to go. And if I'm looking at the research and going, Hey, wait a second, this, this doesn't align what you're saying can actually be taken this way. You need to listen. And that's, that's my biggest thing in the, in the failure of sales is, or a failure of marketing is that we aren't really coming in with, you know, boots on the ground and kind of going, y'all, we are the voice. We are the definer of the market. We are telling you, here's how you're going to go. We're going to take your feedback and your input and continue to refine. We, of course, are not like 100% experts. We don't know all, but we eat, live, breathe, whatever products we're working on, especially in product marketing. You know, I focus on endpoint and mobile threat defense. I've got a completely different arm at my company that focuses on application security. I can't speak to it. That's not my space. That's not something I I have even an ounce of time to focus in. 
So that's that's one of those areas. And then on the flip side is that you see a lot of these companies I'm seeing the job board. I'm going to call out the job board and the cybersecurity marketing society. You're going to call it out nice, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Y'all are underpaying your employees. Yeah. You and I have talked about the number of jobs in certain categories that are listed here and there. You've got marketing ops, you've got designers, you've got content writers, you've got product marketing managers, technical marketing managers. These jobs are just fill that board. If you're looking for a job in that space in cybersecurity, you're, you're not going to be hard to find one in this in this community. But that said, I'm concerned about a lot of the opportunities and the pays that some of these organizations think that they can deliver to these reps. I saw one listing that was $70,000 for a director of product marketing. Absolutely Ooh. not. That is not that is not the going salary. You need to understand yeah, the market. Also, that, I think. <laughs> more than yeah, that. Add, 100, add 150 to that. Whatever it ne- is necessary to bring in the best. And then ultimately on that, your marketing team isn't the one source of everything. You know, you've got to have a diverse, uh, diverse crowd. So you have these organizations say, I'm going to hire a product marketing manager. They're going to do our blog. They're going to do our website. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. They're going to be our event manager. They're going to do the sales ops. <laughs> They're going to be Pardot and Salesforce certified. It's just like, that's a marketing pro. But to that old adage of, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, I know that's a lot longer, but how we have modernized it, we need to have specialized services inside the space. And so ultimately, I'm just, you know, I'm looking at the industry as a whole and marketing leadership as a whole that is failing the employees. It's a great resignation. It's happening in our industry because these companies are failing to evolve and grow and adapt what we as marketers are seeing. It's hard to ignore what other companies are doing, the successes they are doing when you're sitting there watching them and just kind of go, wait a second, I want to be over there. Now, I want to clarify, this is not a reflection on how I feel. I am not saying this is my experience. I'm not poachable Mm -hmm. right now. But this is something when I'm advising some of our newer members that come on, it's something I'm telling them, know your worth know what you're good at and stay in your swim lane. It's okay to kind of get into the other swim lanes, but establish your swim lane and be the best at that. That's amazing. You know, I thought we were just going to go into like white papers, but actually Richard, you're oh, like- Oh, no, no, no. That's not even my highest priority. <laughs> but actually Richard, your prioritized list of like things to suck in marketing is an indictment of marketing leaders who aren't resourcing their teams well enough is what it is in the end, whether yeah. through salary- through compensation or through hiring enough people so that it's not yeah. all falling down into onto that one um, poor product marketer who somehow ended up being also doing demand gen and marketing ops and everything else. So. Yeah. And th- that's my biggest concern is that we're going to, the burnout is coming. The burnout in our space is going to come. It, pay isn't going to fix it. None of that's going to fix it. I was talking with one person one individual who was looking to come into this industry and they were burnt out from their past industry that had massive amount of benefits. And they were like, well, I'll make more money. I'm like, money isn't going to solve your problem. What you need to find is a leader who's going to listen to you, be there and advise you and help you grow. You know, ultimately marketing as a whole in the cybersecurity space from leadership is very rarely invested in heavily. And we can name a couple of companies that have done it well. From the endpoint security space, we've got CrowdStrike and mm-hmm. Sentinel One, for example. They have put a lot of money and investment and time into their brand and focus. Yes. CrowdStrike, for example, I love their stuff because they hired comic book artists. Like, you know, some people may not like it, but from a marketer's perspective, I always click on their mm-hmm. stuff. I always fall for it because, ooh, that's yeah. pretty, right? And, you know, you've got the proverbial Sentinel-1 purple that everybody knows. You see that. You see their graphics and their designs. You know that Sentinel-1. And the investment, not just into the brand, but into the team, needs to be there in order for your whole sales org and engineering org to really just be ready for the future. And that's where that's where I'm seeing a lot of the failures right now. It's it's not even the programs because to your point, I, you know, we could be talking about white papers. You know what? White papers are necessary. Ooh, Nobody reads them. hot take. I'm not a cybersecurity analyst or CISO or anything, but I have a folder for you know, in my own uh, looking to buy marketing products for my company, and I just have a folder where I download white papers and I put them in that folder and mm-hmm. I never open them ever again, and I'll like. Never, ever, ever. I'll download like playbooks. I'll down like download all sorts of things from vendors, and it'll just like, all right, 
I love spending time downloading something, trading my email to get 1 million emails in my inbox in the future and never actually read the asset that I was looking for. Here's the thing. There, there is a use case for it, but we need to think about it as a leave behind material that reinforces the point that the sales reps and your SEs are delivering mm -hmm. to a prospect. Statistics there are backing it up. Nobody's downloading your solution brief or your white paper going, okay, I'm going to buy this product. It does not shorten your, your buyer's window. It helps to qualify your prospect. It helps to qualify that lead, but it is not shortening the window because you as the expert, either on the sales side or the marketing side, if you are engaging with that customer, need to know it and say it the same way. So this goes into another area that I think really sucks in cybersecurity marketing. We all say things differently and not just like company to company. That's fine. I don't care. You know, Company X can say it differently than company Y, but internally, we all need to say, oh, use the yeah. same language. Something I learned at mm -hmm. WebRoot. WebRoot had the most comprehensive sales training program I've ever witnessed. Every single sales rep had 30 days from the start of their job in the industry to learn the sales pitch. Not a sales pitch, not their sales pitch, not a version of it. The sales pitch. They had 30 days. It did not matter if you were in a dial for dollar SDR, which is absolutely critical, all the way up to a vice president. If you did not take that sales pitch and were able to do it properly, pitching it to the CEO, CFO, and head of sales, at the end of the 30 days, you were walked. Wow. There was no try again. And I witnessed this and I watched this. Uh, what was it? Jeff Santalisis was the... Um, was the head of sales that established this program. And it really impacted me as a, as a brand new marketer into the cybersecurity space, really impacted me. So I went through it. I did the sales training. Because again, as somebody who is, who is focused on, on the story and language and the use of conversation, if I say, if I describe a product differently than my sales rep and you know, a prospect comes and talks to me, or sees one of my writings online, or read something I wrote, and then they go to a sales rep, and a sales rep describes it differently, they're going to inherently not trust that we know mm -hmm. what we're doing. Where's the continuity? Where's the continuity? So you have to have continuity across the whole board in order from sales over to marketing. So everybody's on, you know, everybody's speaking the same internal language. So you have to have brand guidelines, language guidelines, writing guidelines, all these need to be established. And that's just, you know, that will, that can help an organization. But I mean, that's marketing in general. That's not even like cybersecurity. Yeah. But in cybersecurity, we have so many terms that we can make up. Yeah. I love seeing the battles like, is XDR real or is it just a sim light or, <laughs> you know, the likes of that, you know, or next generation is dead. Now it's this or we're using next generation zero trust. And so, oh my God, just stop. Well, you know, you know what you're describing. The, all, it's because there's so many companies. It's because the industry is so, has so many categories. And it's because you have to stand out that, you know, these terms come around. People are trying to stand out or trying to differentiate. Yeah. There's a way to differentiate without keywords. That's true. They want to differentiate, but they also want to be there at the top of Google. I keep, I keep going back to our original conversation that you and I had a couple of weeks ago when we were just chatting. And I made fun of one specific company that has uh, made up their own category. And when you go, well, no, that's just this. And they're like, oh, no, 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 that's not that. But like, okay, so you're providing this, 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 and this. That's a service that falls under this broad category that's existed for 30 years. Yes. But you're calling it this. Yes. So what's your difference? Well, we have a console. Well, so do they. We're just calling it this. It's like, you can't make your own category. It might sound cool. It might sound amazing in the marketing material, but if you have to spend more time explaining what the category is than what you do, you have failed. 100%. Mm -hmm. I, I try to explain this to my sales reps. The most exciting part of your presentation should not be our product working. It should be highlighting where the risks are within the enterprise. Because to that sense, in cybersecurity, an exciting day for a security team is a bad day for a company. Mm -hmm. Every single cybersecurity company should be aiming to make sure that their customers are bored out of their mind. I love that. Again, going back to WebRoot, we had this mindset and we gave away a server room sleep kit. 
It was just a little oh, travel that kit. Is so asking it. cute. But the idea was is we were going to take so much stress off of your plate that you could take a nap in the server. That is the cutest campaign I've ever heard. That is so cute. I loved it. Oh my gosh, right? like a pillow that- and like... <laughs> It had, it had a pillow, you had the eye mask, it, had, it was it was branded with Webber. I've got one somewhere. I've got to find it. But it was one of those campaigns that, you know, the, the IT managers would come up and they would just laugh like, oh, yeah, I wish I could get there. I'm like, then let's get you there. Statistically, we could do this, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it was a conversation point. We don't need to be thinking of new taglines. We don't need to be thinking of new, you know, categories. We need to be thinking of solutions that our customers are going to gravitate towards. And um, I watched a commercial that a cybersecurity company put out this week. And I was cracking up because it was just a collection of stock imagery and stock stock footage that they had put together with a little bit of voiceover, which is most commercials. But there was no unity to any of the any of the pictures, you know, different crowds, different, different everything. It just there wasn't any unifying visual message. And when I was talking with our branding team as we launched the We Secure Mobile campaign here at Symperium, I said, our imagery needs to reflect uh, or needs to impact the user in one way or another. It needs to either be something that they relate to or something that they want to relate to. That's marketing. When you look at a branding campaign, when you look at a marketing campaign within a cybersecurity product, you want to say, that's my IT team right there. Or... That's what I want my IT team to be. That's what I want my security team to be doing. I want to be reflected. I want my logo on that little mock-up right there to show that that's how professional we are at our security operations, at our security solution, whatever it is. They need to feel like it's relatable. You know, Cybersecurity Marketing Society's branding. It's a bowl of noodles. Noodles. Because you're noodling on it. I love it. Because you're hungry. Yeah, exactly. You told me a story about it. (laughs) But you've got you've got some great colors, but it's something that's it's a marketing society. It's branded like there. That's I want to be a part of that. It drew me in. I'm so glad. I'm glad to hear that. And as you and I, have, as you and I have talked about it, like I want to invest further. Like how else can I help? Because it is something that I have seen so much value to my professional career in in the what year that I've been a member. Oh, are you crying? No, I'm oh going God, to cry fantastic. though. <laughs> But, yeah, good, good. But that's but as you can see, like that's the inherent thing is when you talk about a group, you talk about a solution. It has to be something that somebody is drawn to. Marketing doesn't happen, you know. We can even reflect it into vehicles. So I was an automotive journalist, and cars would be sold, and you know, you had the generic cars and Toyota and, and Nissan and all that. And I remember reviewing the Nissan Rogue. And this got me in hot water with the Nissan PR team, which I'm still good friends with, but it still got me in hot water with them. My final conclusion of it, the Nissan Rogue's a wonderful vehicle, but does not deserve the name. There's nothing roguish about it. Oh, ouch. It's generic, straightforward. It's not unlike any other midsize SUV on the market. Rogue, you would think, would be roguish. You know, something yeah, you go take it in the desert. Yeah. Exactly. Or, you know, oh, that would even be better. Or like it had styling unlike any other. Now, granted, you don't want to go the Pontiac Aztec route, but it was something that would stand out. No, you had a generic SUV that would get lost in the parking lot. Don't worry, lot. everybody. We'll put pictures of these cars in the show notes so you know which ones. Right there. Right there. <laughs> but that's that mindset of like, you know, your marketing doesn't align to. There's so many things that, that we yeah. could do better. So. Who? What is working now? Like. What is good cybersecurity marketing today? Good cybersecurity marketing today is definitely one where you understand your client or your prospective client. The best campaigns I'm seeing out there are the ones that are running for good amount of time, a good amount of periods. You know, all too often you see organizations go and say, oh, this isn't working after three months. We got to shift gears. And the, and this is, is, as many of us know, that's not us marketers going, oh, it's not working, pivot. No, it's, you know, sales leadership. It's, it's executive leadership coming in. Like, we're not seeing the results of what is happening. We need to change gears. When, in fact, we need to be educating internally and saying, okay, this campaign is going to run one year. And around months, we're going to start seeing the results. And, and that's really massive. And so the best cybersecurity marketing campaigns are the ones that are running the longest. 
I'm going to give credit where credit is due. CrowdStrike, they are everybody's enemy in the endpoint security space. Everybody you know, looks at them. They are target number one. Good on George Kurtz, who is the number one storyteller in our industry. He has built up this story and this mystique about the CrowdStrike brand. He focused so heavily on the marketing from the start that even today, their designs look very familiar to what they looked like 10 years ago. Wow. They invested in the graphics team. They invested in branding team. They had a head of brand that focused on that. And while their campaigns and their message, it used to be we stop breaches and then breaches stop here and now it's changed into something else. Even though their taglines and other campaigns or sub campaigns have changed, the brand has stayed the same. It establishes trust. You go in there, you become a customer, you go, I can trust these people because they're not changing all the time. They're not trying to become or reinvent themselves. Yeah, it's CrowdStrike. Everybody it's knows CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike. Everybody knows CrowdStrike. Everybody knows they're going to do comic book creatures as, as threat actors. Everyone knows how they're going to name the threat actors. We know this and we envy it. It's working for a reason. Um, other campaigns that I see that are really working well is really thinking outside the box. Not so far outside the box that you're inventing your own category because clearly I have a problem with that. But outside the box in terms of like events and outside the box in terms of collateral, what are you doing to get my attention? I see a and lot you know of what? Your attention oh. matters because you're technical, Richard. I, I, you are the, you in another, in a previous life, you know, were the target audience. I, I was, I was the yeah. target audience, kind of. I mean, you know, basic stuff. But yeah, absolutely. I was, I had the opportunity to be the customer as well as the, now the, the seller. Companies are doing podcasts really well. I'm, I'm seeing it, you know, where I know we're going to get to get to him, but my friend, Matt Stevenson, I've, yes. he's my best friend. He, he's just broken away to go independent, but now he's working with multiple brands to help them bring their podcasts to market, their ideas, share the stories that reflect. And again, back to the earlier point that we can relate to, you know, Ooh, I want to be that guy. I want to be like that CISO or that that CEO or that individual. I want to be like that person. Oh, who's sponsoring this? Okay, I'm going to check him out a little bit. Now, you know, us marketers are a little bit more cynical and we're not going to fall for that trap as easily, but we still reflect and respect what's been created. And so when you see that new content, big booths, nobody cares about. You're just bragging about your money. <laughs> But if you do something that is unique in an event at RSA, yeah. Black, anything, if you come out with something. I want to release like a lot of birds. Yeah, please don't. Into... Do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> um, Just kidding. Or like grease I, pigs, right? Or so, you yeah, oh, that'd be hilarious. Oh, my. Five and there's, you know, <laughs> except there's only four. Oh, my God. That's great. Um, I really like that one. Um, that would be, was, you know, and on the back, it'll say Votero. Content disarm and reconstruction. So here's the bad thing Very about relevant. the campaign. <laughs> What's wrong with my big campaign? Nothing's wrong with it. I think the Simpsons did it. I haven't I watched the Simpsons. And, yeah, they probably done it. Okay. There's a there was a company, and here's the problem. I don't remember the company. I don't oh, think they're around you just remember the pigs? No, no, no. They instead of doing a booth at Black Hat, they invited the Las Vegas Humane Society to bring puppies in. Oh, you know what? I have seen that done and that is so cute. It is so nice. cute. Subaru did it at a car show once because they're like, our cars are the same as last year. We just want you to relax. That's they cute. held an adoption fair at their car booth so during a car show. You cannot remember this puppy dealing cybersecurity company, but <laughs> well, we it's don't they're, know. they're defunct round. Like I know that they got bought. That's not defunct. That's acquired. That's success. I think it was acquired <laughs> to go away. Kind of thing. <laughs> Those puppies could have resulted in deals. Exactly. So is that a brand thing? I'm going to take back my own experience. At Spice World, uh, I don't remember what year. Again, time has lost all meaning to me. I think it was my last Spice World for the Spice Works conference, not Spice World for the Spice Girls. Were you, were you working at Spice Works at the time? No, I, w I was at WebRoot. Okay. Um, I was a, I was a member of their community, what they called a green guy, the company representative in their community. Mm -hmm. And we would go to the conference out in Austin. It was a fantastic conference. 
And my friend Nick Tolshashev and I were sitting there. He's our community manager over at Webroot. Um, I've hired him multiple times. He actually built the Spiceworks community, ironically, and then I poached him. And I've poached him multiple times. He and I are sitting there kind of going, how are we going to keep people at our booth? If someone comes by for that 30 seconds, has a quick conversation, grabs a piece of collateral that they're going to throw away or leave in their hotel room, that is a useless lead. But how are we going to keep people at our booth? Hmm. There's always the basic stuff. We could have a coffee bar. We could have a bar. We could have food. We could have blah, blah, blah. We did Legos. What do IT pros like? They love Legos. And we had a big table and a massive bin of Legos. And we said, come on by and build a Lego city with us. No instructions, no guides, nothing. At the end of every day, we tore it down. And for three days, our booth was packed with IT pros that would spend 30 minutes at our booth and not at our competitors. Nice. We got complaints. And that to me was success. You got complaints. They said you were, hey, their booth was too good. No, uh, their booth, their their uh, their strategy really diminished the number of people that came by ours. You know, it's not fair. They approached it, they, you know, they're not even trying to sell a product. They're just playing games. Oh, wow. I'm not going to name who uh, no. complained, but they did just, they did just rename the Trellix. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> This is, a, this is like a spicy gossip podcast hey, now. Hey, that's what you wanted. You wanted the fun <laughs> stuff, right? We do want so the fun stuff. That's what's working. That's what's working. And like, think about today. Like everyone's a little hesitant about going to events. We see that in the Black Hat chat. We see that in the RSA chat. You know, things are getting canceled. Things are getting started, canceled, started, canceled. We don't know the state. You know, RSA could be a week out and we're all going to kind of go, eh, it's going to get canceled. We don't know. But our approaches to these events needs to be very different. It's not just about a booth, not just about having a party. Mm -hmm. Those day and age of having large scale of amounts of people at conferences is gone for a while. Mm -hmm. The people that are going to these shows are the people that need to be there. So automatically, the people that are going to these shows are higher value. Try saying this five times. Fast, higher <laughs> value prospects for your organization. So they're almost already validated. They're speakers. Yeah, they're speakers, they're, they're influencers, they're the people that will make or break the what's happening in the space mm -hmm. and at their company. If they're at the show, they need to be there. I want to go to the show because I want to go on vacation. Mm -hmm. We need to approach how we treat them, how we bring them in, how we attract them to our booth. Just having a booth with gadgets and throwaway stuff that no one's going to remember. Garbage. I said it in, in our first podcast. <laughs> garbage. <laughs> no offense to garbage. I hate swag you hate I swag hate, okay it has swag. to be done well it, ha it it's garbage until it's swag if you actually got something you really freaking loved then it would be swag what are you showing me a pen oh i know this pen all right we'll take a screenshot of this so everyone listening can can see the pen in the show notes i've had this pen for 10 years so i've replaced the ink it's a fan, and as ironically it's in the matching mug that i've had as well with my chopsticks because sushi right so this is an Audi branded mm -hmm. pen for anyone who is not going to go to our show notes. <laughs> That's fine. My Audi pen, I received as a gift from the head of uh, global marketing for Audi, um, the Audi brand, when I was a journalist. And he sent me this pen as a thank you for some feedback. He and I had a really good conversation. I've always been an Audi fanboy, but... When I was getting started inside the journalist space, Audi was the first brand to really give me a chance. They invited me to their events. They invited me to their shows. They sent me cars. I was treated at the same level as top gear journalists. I was at an event with the top gear journalists. Here I was with 14,000 readers. Here they are with 14 million readers. And I, I was treated equally. And I wrote a thank you note to the head of marketing. His name's Andrew Lippin. And he sent me that pen. And I still have that pen. I still use that pen. I've used that pen to sign every single important document that I've ever had from that time forward. My marriage license, my purchasing of my house, the birth certificate of my son. I've signed every important document with that pen. It is a, it is a very well-made pen. That's the difference. It's got a magnetic top. It's heavy. It's weighted. The ink is really nice. The way it feels in my hand is excellent. I've tried to find this pen. And buy it separately with, you know, my own I cannot find it. I have contacted Audi Marketing to see if they get it. They went through so many sub-brands to find this pen. They don't even know who manufactured it. There's no information on it. So this is the only one that I have. And 
I don't ever want to lose it. This is the only swag that someone has given me that's on my desk. Actually, you know, you should post on Reddit, Richard. Oh, I should. Because there's um R what is this thing? Which for anyone who's listening, yeah. um R refers to like a, a subreddit, a channel in Reddit. R what is this thing? Or like R find this thing or whatever. There's a couple channels. You should do that and see if they can find your pen. I kind of like the mystique behind it. I like the mystique of not being able to replace it. It's like some other things. Like, you know, there are things that, that I hold dear and then there are things that I won't get rid of. Mm-hmm. And like I've got a camera from my grandfather over there. It's not a fancy camera, but it's the only physical connection I have to the man because he passed away before I was born. But his camera bag, which is actually behind me, and his camera, which is right up there, they were used by him. And that as a gift to me was more meaningful than anything else. The funny thing is I have the exact same camera. I had already purchased one years before. Mm-hmm. I don't care about that one. It's the exact same. There is no difference. But the fact that that other one was my grandfather's brings that little meaningful touch. So I the, like the idea of, that I can't replace that. So good swag has that element. Good swag should be something you want to use. I, I try to tell people this. Is, you know, the, the, I made a comment the other day. I went and looked on eBay. <laughs> Anybody that's really interested in like, you know, how good your swag, company swag is, go to see if it's for sale on eBay. That's, That's funny. So apparently, the old silent swag, pre-Blackberry ruining everything, is it for sale on eBay. Our SCO, our last big SCO, there are sweatshirts for sale. And that's funny to me. I posted up and everyone was commenting about their favorite swag. And somebody's like, well, what about those squeezy brains? They were little stress balls that were like brains to talk about the artificial intelligence. And I remember having a box full of those. And I... I had to recycle them. I was just like, this is just junk in my house. Now, some people loved it. You know, some therapists, we gave a box to a physical therapist that used it in their in their courses, but it was just junk. And it was good junk. It was meaningful. Somebody remembered it, but it wasn't something anybody kept. Good swag would be on someone's desk. And so think about that as an organization, as you're going to events, as you're doing giveaways. What is somebody going to look at and go, I got that from company X. And here's the story behind it. My Ember mug. Yeah, an, an Ember mug. Um, My yeah. Ember mug from 1011. Thank you, 1011. We love you. Wait a second. I used to work with 1011. What no, you don't crap? get a mug. Only I get a mug. <laughs> Everyone's tired of water bottles. Stop giving away water bottles. Stop giving away coffee mugs. Stop giving away the thermoses. I have so many Yetis upstairs. It's You're lucky. Ridiculous. I have no Yetis. No one's sending really? a Yeti. Yeah. Somebody send her a Yeti. Thank I know you. somebody in our community definitely has access to a Yeti. Let's go sign up for one of their podcasts and they'll send it to you. But that's the that's the thing. We have so much of this stuff. If someone else is doing it, you're too late. Interesting. I wonder what will be the next thing then that we can brand that goes on a desk. Your server room sleep kit. Mm-hmm. Something that's going to be memorable. What was the best, most fun campaign you've ever worked on? It was probably the one that changed my career completely. It gave me the direction that I really needed. When I joined Silence, they were doing a show called The Unbelievable Tour. And The Unbelievable Tour was, they would go out, Silence being new, wanted to change up the market and really, you know, impact people. So what's the fastest way to impact people is to show the products that they bought failing. And when you're doing antivirus, it's to the despisement of our competition. And, you know, we'll get to that. They would go, our Myself and Matt Stevenson and our SEs, we would go about all around the world and load up a demo, go through a talk track and load up a demo of us versus three of our competitors. And these three competitors, we would download the latest 100 samples of malware from VirusTotal and we'd execute them, all 100 samples against those AVs at the exact same time. And we'd show how those machines would crash. That eventually led to us receiving ceases and desists from multiple companies. Mm. I have a copy of one. It is... Uh, yeah. But is it framed? It, it, no, not yet, but it is held away with pride and joy. So also, what are those items that you're like, I'm always going to take this with me? Because to say that I got a, um, a cease and desist from a giant red company that just rebranded the Trellix, um, is, and that's a that's You have a, a history career, with this red company. <laughs> I do. I, do. Uh, I have a career-defining moment. But to even make it even funnier is that that event itself, that's not even, that's not even, not even the most fun event that I've done, most fun campaign, but this led to it. That changed the industry as we know it. And not in a way of like everyone started doing the demo. Companies changed their EULAs because of us. They went back and made it against the EULA to do public testing. And we still have that in EULAs today. 
We still have that. And that is a career-defining moment. So Matt Stevenson and I, high off this, like, <laughs> you know, we riled up some people. We had to redevelop the campaign. Mm-hmm. And I think we were at a Marriott in Miami. The best place to be. It was a, we were doing a show and, and, and because they were shows, that's how we defined it. We were, we were a part of the road show. We were part of the the road crew that literally traveled every single day of the week and we're home for weekends. That was what we did. We didn't know where we'd be next week. Our boss would literally play where's Waldo. He didn't even know where we'd be. So we're, we're in Miami. We're sitting at the bar, having a drink, eating some appetizers. We've got a big event the next day. We're talking about what's next and we're laying out what would become this campaign. And we start building up, start building up and Black Hat's you know, interop is coming up. And the team has decided, our events and marketing team has decided that we are launching the brand new show at this event. And so we had to think like, what was it gonna become? And Matt came up with the Underworld Tour the underworld tour. I want to emphasize that because I say it so fast. Somebody once thought I said the underwear tour. I'm like, <laughs> I am not the person that needs to be on the underwear tour. There is your memorable kept forever branded swag right there. <laughs> the underwear tour. Oh my God. That's horrifying. <laughs> it's horrifying for me. Like, the thing, oh my God, I, I'm not the right model for this. <laughs> And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors and producers, Hacker Valley Media. Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings run an amazing studio here, which produces not only the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, but a bunch of other shows that you're going to want to listen to as well. So all these shows plus more, and then on top of that, probably even more coming soon, are available to look at, listen to, and sponsor at HackerValley.com. Make sure you go over there and say, hey, Gianna and Maria said I should come check out your website, listen to your shows, and uh, sponsor a podcast or two. He comes up with the Underworld Tour, and we start building out the whole thing, and the whole company gets excited. And when I say the whole company, I mean the branding team, because Silence at the time invested very heavily into the branding team, you know, very, very heavy investment on that, very, very controlling on it to the dismay of every single marketer and sales rep that ever wanted to do their own sales presentation. But they were so controlling over how things presented that they did a whole branding exercise around the campaign. We had defined colors. We had a logo. We had everything. And you can still Google it on Google Image Search, which is really interesting, Underworld Tour Silence or UWT Silence. You know, purples and blacks and all this that were just super fantastic colors and really emphasize this idea of the deep, dark underworld, a little bit of cyberpunk. We had posters, everything. And we had to launch it Hawkeson. Hawkeson? Hawkeson, the nightclub. It was a nightclub at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas where Interop was being hosted. So we rented out the nightclub and we hosted the first ever show for this whole roadshow. That was literally launching that next week. We were, we were coming off the launch and the next week we were on the road globally hmm. taking this around the world. None of our executive team had seen the show. None of our leaders had seen the show. The design team had sent over slides and we had changed them. Richard. We were, oh, yeah. Oh no, it gets better. Five hours before the show, Matt Stevenson and I are having lunch and we both realize we need to change the script. <gasps> we rewrote the whole show in five hours. And it, it just, this is one of those situations that there are very few things in my life that everything has just fallen so perfectly into place. But I was with somebody that I trusted. We were a bonded team. We were best friends. I mean, the man was the officiant of my wedding. Like we had been on the roads. We had seen each other more than we had seen our partners. We had a connection. We knew how to work with each other. And we still do. Even though we don't work for each other or work with each other, we still know how to do it. We fall into that pattern very easily. And in five hours, we rewrote the show, the whole talk track, the whole demo, everything. We hit up their technical boss and we say, here's the demo we want to do. He goes, yeah, we can do that. So not only were we going live with a completely unapproved show in live in front of our full executive team, but about 200 people that we had invited from CEO down of large enterprises globally. And we're at this show. And as we're walking downstairs, we, we decided that we were going to give away a prize to somebody. As we're walking down, 
there's a bottle of champagne outside in the hallway. And it's a fresh bottle. It's just sitting there and it's unopened. <laughs> like outside not, someone's door? No, no, it wasn't outside. I didn't steal someone's champagne, but it's just sitting there. Like somebody had like probably drunk. It's Vegas. Someone had drunkenly put it, bought it and like placed there. Eh, finders keepers. So we take this <laughs> bottle of champagne with us. And we stop at the cash and the cash desk and we pull out, we buy a $100 chip and a, we get a stack of $100 bills ones in the little wrap paper because mm-hmm. we wanted that visual effect. The underworld tour, it was meant to have like invoke the idea of a mafia. You're, you're doing something underground that's, you know, dark web stuff. Yeah. We walk on stage in black suits, purple ties. I mean, we, we dressed the part. It was, we were part of the set. The whole, the whole space is branded, lit up for us. And we killed it. The first part of the show is we walk people through, like we're going to set the tone of what does it mean? What is, what are you going up against? And one of the phrases that Matt came up with was, um, or no, not phrases. The quote that he pulled was from uh, Willie Sutton. I robbed banks because that's where the money is. And it's something that has stuck with me today. It's a very influential quote. I robbed banks because that's where the money is. So why do people want to steal your data because, or want to hack into your service? Because that's where your data is. Your data is money. So we mm-hmm. first had to change the mindset of our audience. Take it from data is data and said data is money. Then we talk about big scale robberies. We talk about the history of ransomware. We pause and we say, who wants to make their own ransomware? I'm watching the executive team in the front row shift in discomfort. You can tell the CEO is like, oh, God, what are these two yahoos doing? (laughs) Our boss is grinning because he trusts us. Our technical boss, he's the only one that knows what's coming. He had set up the whole system. And hand raises, you know, people are excited. Who wants to earn $100? And I hold up the the $100 bills. Who wants to earn $100? I hear this ringing, this like clanking, and it's this young lady who's got armful of bracelets. <laughs> she turns out to be the wife of the president of a college that was at the event. So she's not a CISO. She's not, not, she's not a lead. She's not a prospect, but she's perfect. So I hear that. I can't ignore it. I call her up the stage. I walk her through making her own variant of ransomware using the Satan ransomware as a service product, mm-hmm. a live product that anybody could access. Mm-hmm. I walk her through it and it wasn't till the end that she realized what she had done and she was shocked. And I gave her a hundred dollars and she was so happy. And then we executed it. We showed it was real. And then we went back to the presentation as if it was nothing. Remember what I said earlier, the best part of your demonstration should be your product working. So we go through a little bit more of the presentation. We talk about silence. We do some introductions on there on our product suite and say, what about that sample of ransomware that we just did? We, Part of the demo we show, we execute it on a silence protected machine. It's prevented. Nothing happens. Great. Let's take it to 11. If anybody gets that reference, you get a point. So we take it to 11. We call another volunteer up who wants a $100 chip and this bottle of champagne. (laughs) Somebody comes up and we walk them through repacking the malware, which is essentially just changing changing the code enough that it gets a brand new MD5 hash. And so... Technically, net new zero day that has not been seen. Uh, Net new zero day malware that has not been seen. And then we load up a virtual machine running our oldest version of Silence, the one that was about at that time, year and a half old. The oldest model, I should say, had the oldest um, AI model, 1601, I think it was the number, if I'm remembering correctly. He repacks it, and he's a little bit more technical, not as memorable, clearly, as the young lady from the first part. And we executed against that device that had the old endpoint agent installed, nothing happens. Nice. Great. Go back to the presentation. We finish up. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, so much. That show became the global sensation that led us around the world. Sales reps, everybody wanted to mimic it. And as I said, the most boring part of the demo was our product working because we ended on this. We want your security teams to be bored. We don't want them to be excited. We want to prevent 99.9% of the malware that it comes out there. And we want to prevent it with this advanced AI, blah, 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 blah. Clearly, I said it enough that I can still pitch it today. <laughs> that was a defining moment. And that leads me to the biggest game changer for my career. I'm invited to present at JISEC in Dubai. I don't remember what year. <laughs> I wish I remembered. Yeah, right. 
in Dubai. I was invited to present at, at JISEC in Dubai. And I decided I was going to present uh, some, some threat data around the region, talk about like the, the risk that the Middle East was having for a cyber attack, why it was increased risk, and why they needed to invest. Blah, blah, blah. Very standard stuff. Not a sales pitch. I didn't talk about silence once. In Dubai, it is illegal to make malware. And so we had to figure out a way to legally skirt that law, fully aware that our way of skirting the law may still result with me ending up in jail. 10-year minimum sentence at the time. So we talked to legal. We got everybody involved before I got out there. The company was prepared to bail me out. Lawyers were literally waiting for the call. Richard's been arrested. And I got up in stage. And in the front row were members of the royal family. And I taught them how to make their own versions of ransomware. And it presentation goes off without a hitch. I'm feeling really good. And one of the members of the family waves his hand, says, you know, waves me over, realizing this isn't being videoed, waves me over and says, come on, you know, I'd like to talk to you. And I'm going, awesome, I'm going to jail. <laughs> I'm like, I think it's a bodyguard surrounding this gentleman. My heart is in my throat. I'm like, I am royally screwed, but what a game changer this would be. And unfortunately, that is not what happened. He did not have me. Oh um, my did, gosh. Oh my God. Can you think about that? Think about that. I was once arrested by the Dubai police for making ransomware in a demo on stage at a security conference. That would be my resume. I know. I wouldn't even include. My, I wouldn't even include. You. Oh my god! No, maybe not at that company. But I wouldn't even put in my. You know, as I'm looking for new jobs, that, that's me right there on video getting arrested. That's me, right there. So when can I start? Right. That would have been a game changer. But no, unfortunately, he was just really interested in purchasing the product. Led to a very wow, good. Wow, that's great too. Yeah, <laughs> but immediately he was like, "I'd like to buy your your product," and you know, oh. Darn. Uh, let me get the sales rep over here because I don't even know how much a product costs and uh, he'll take care of it from here. So that's, that's where that, that's where the whole, that was the best thing I've ever done. And I still ride that high today. I still seek that out today in terms of campaign growth and opportunity and impact that it had on people. I still talk to people that have been to one of those shows that Matt and I did around the world. Your shows sure. remind me of a magic show in a way. You bring the audience in and mm -hmm. they got to be part of the show, right? Pick a card. They got to pick the card. If yeah. that. Yeah. And full credit to Matt. Like I was always the technical side of the, the, the house with him. Like I looked at things very technical and he pushed and challenged me to think of things in a bigger scale, make it bigger, make it grander, make it something that people relate to. He taught me what I, what I really know today. It was live practice. There was no like, Hey, we're going to try that. No. I mean, you went on stage, you wanted to try something. We'd go on stage. We would switch it up. Like he'd be like, I want to do the demo today. I'm like, Oh yeah, you do the demo today. And then midway through, he's like, I don't want to do the demo. Literally on mic, he'd be like, I don't want to do the demo anymore, Richard, you come do this. And what was awesome about that is then people would know that this wasn't scripted. I mean, it was, but it wasn't like recorded and like they weren't just like, you know, pressing play on a recording. Like we would make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Matt will tell us some other great stories about that whole show, you know, the whole series of show. We were at the, a building across the street from FBI headquarters when NotPetya hit, the, the morning after NotPetya hit. And somebody in the audience goes, how do you stand up against NotPetya? We see you against WannaCry, blah, 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 blah. We see you against malware that you, of course, know about. What about NotPetya? I got detected last night. So I go online live in front of the audience, having not run this demo, and download the sample live. And I execute it live against our oldest version of our machine learning model, and we prevent it. Mm -hmm. And lying, I'm dying, scouts honor. As soon as I execute it, the alarms across the street at FBI headquarters go off. <laughs> and I'm just like, shit, we're screwed. Now you're going to be arrested. Exactly. You you surpassed, you, you bypassed the Dubai arrest, but hey, you're going to jail for, yeah. you, know, you know, 20 it, plus here. There's, <laughs> we, we've talked about what's bullshit, what's worked, what's not. What has worked for companies are are the things that are memorable. You don't have to be as you know kitschy as that. You don't have to be as chauvinistic as the Underworld Tour was with our green and black and purple suits that we wore and the full full getup. There's photos. 
Um, I'm going to put some of those in the show notes. That's fine. Matt's got the best ones. But we, you don't have to go that far, but you've got to do something different. Doing an executive roundtable is great for internal research and leadership and like, you know, building up camaraderie, but it's not going to make your number. It's not going to give you the branding that you need to, to make your space. We talked about this earlier. Being different isn't just categorizing your product in a new funny way. It's like making a bang. It's like getting attention. It's big marketing is what I like to call it. Big marketing. Let's clarify though. Are you saying big marketing with big spend or big marketing with big idea? Big impact. There you go. It's creative. Exactly. Boom. You don't need a lot of money to make a big impact. You just have to think differently. If it goes back to the swag thing, if someone else is doing it, you're too late. Nobody else can do the doggy puppy thing at the at the booth. It's a waste of time. I'm gonna bring my pigs. Bring your pigs. You can actually actually that's what I'll do. I'll have a pet a pig pen. And I will be your competitor next door with a pig roast. Oh my god. <laughs> and I will complain to RSA that the pig roast <laughs> took too much attention away from my booth. <laughs> so Richard, we talked about the creativity and the the getting to fun again and, and doing big marketing and making impact and making sure you're not just doing buzzwords in your marketing, but really putting thought behind it. So how are we going to get to the next big, crazy idea? So this is something I, I think that with our talent shortage that every single company out there needs to address. Mm. We need to broaden our scope of acceptance for people's backgrounds into this career. I don't want someone that's done it as long as me to come in and join my team. Yes, I mean, I do. I want I want an expert. I want someone that has expertise. But there are solutions that to problems that I'm running into now that I cannot solve with a new mindset because I, I'm getting to that point where you get a little bit repetitive. I want, and this isn't even like Aegis, it's like I want somebody with a different background to come in and say, that's how I'm going to solve that problem. One of the biggest things that has happened within the Cybersecurity Marketing Society is it has become a recruiting portal for me. So <laughs> managers out there that have lost employees to me, I'm not sorry. Oof. But <laughs> Job seekers, join our group. Job seekers, you have jobs. And you have people like me looking at your backgrounds. And even if you do not have a true cybersecurity background or a true endpoint security space or network security space or whatever space you're focused on, I want to talk to you. Because the only way we're going to get to the next crazy idea is if I bring somebody in that hasn't done this for 10, 15 years like I have. I need people in my space, on my team, in my org that are willing to look at a problem with very different eyes. I, I we're talking to writers that have never written in cybersecurity because we get into the space where we're producing content and we start using the jargon, the terms that we assume everybody knows. And if one of the writers goes, what does that mean? If they're asking it, so is one of your audience members. There's always a point of education. There's always a, an opportunity for for refinement or clarity that you as an enterprise, you as an organization, you as a team can provide out there. And I do not believe that we can do that if we continue to hire from within our own bubble. We talked about this in the pre-meeting. LinkedIn has become a bubble. For me, my LinkedIn has become a bubble of people in my industry that I've worked with. It is not a is not this global expansive network of people that are I can continue to influence. No, they're, they're friends. They're cohorts. It's Facebook for business, unfortunately, or fortunately. I think you have to connect with more people who are in beekeeping. That's why I, I keep I, it fresh. I, I absolutely need to do it. I just, I, I work in security. I connect with people that I know or I've interacted with because when I used to do competitive intelligence for a couple organizations, I used fake LinkedIn profiles to connect with my competitors and get the information out of them. I know the tactics used. So I avoid that. It's, you know, inherently I have to balance it. But to that mindset, 
I have my own set biases. Biases? Biases. In bye place. I. Bye I. Is it, <laughs> is it me or Moosens? Um, but I have my own set bias in place when it comes to my approach to work. And the only way an organization is going to get to the next crazy idea is to bring someone from the outside in. How far outside is up to the hiring manager and the team that's willing to do the investment? Something in the Marine Corps that taught me. You know the job, two things. You know the job of the person above and below you. You have to. That's what teamwork is. And the second one is you have to be willing to accept 70% in somebody's skill set, but also willing to get them to 100%. If you can look at someone's resume and see a transferable skill, say, you know what? That could be interesting. We've got teachers who are going to be resigning over the next year. I guarantee it. My wife, one of them. And she's going, I don't, what am I going to do for the next, my next career? I said, you'd be an incredible project manager. And she goes, I don't even know what that is. I'm like, you literally do it every single day. You just do it for a different client. But there's that idea of like how, what transferable skills can someone bring in? And then from that, they're going to come with new ideas. Exactly. They're going to push your company to the next level. Susan Valancourt, who's, an amazing comms and now the CMO of a cybersecurity company spoke with us in our state of cybersecurity marketing report and said that she likes to hire outside of cyber for her mm -hmm. comms positions. The people have fresh takes, you know, they're not locked into this like self-inflicted, we only do this mm -hmm. uh, that we all kind of sometimes get stuck in. So it's a great point to hire outside of cyber. Plus it'll fill your job wrecks faster. Yeah, we, we just have to be willing to take a risk. You know, product marketing manager, you can take a product marketing manager from any consumer brand and teach them cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. You can bring them in. It's going to be a little bit of work on your end, but you're going to get an employee that's going to say, wait a second, this hiring manager invested in me, worried about me, took care of me, educated me, guided me along what is necessary. That's critical. That's going to create longevity, investment, excitement. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest. Okay, so here's why I'm at Zimperium. Let's talk about my background. I left Automox and joined Valid Network, which is a Bitcoin security company. I'm rolling my eyes because there are some things about it that just didn't make sense. And I'm going to be respectful of those that are still there. And ultimately, it didn't work out for me. But before I accepted that job, I turned down this position that I'm at right now with JT Keating. I turned him down. I said, no. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take this opportunity. And he calls me up. He goes, I'm calling you because I have to try to talk you out of it, but I'm also going to tell you not to come here. What I want you to do is call me every month and let's talk about what's going on. I'll be your mentor. I'll help you out. I've been there. I've done this. I want you to have this experience. So I did it. And for six months, we communicated. We had great chats, great conversations. And at the end of my six months over at Valid, Realizing it was coming to an end, realizing this was not working, I texted him. I said, did I burn a bridge? 12 hours later, I was on a call with him and the CTO. One week later, I had a job. That doesn't happen for everybody. But he took a risk. And he invested in me. He invested in me when he didn't need to. Mm -hmm. Same with the hiring person at WebRoot. Yep, Catherine Kaiser. The only reason I got into really focused cybersecurity is because she saw, wait, you're doing social media and community management and journalism. We can apply that to this. And then she just let me grow. Yeah, it was fun. Similar to the story of the head of marketing at Audi too, letting yeah. opening those doors for you. I think yeah. there's a lesson to be learned here that we should always be helping people yeah. and opening doors to them when we can. Absolutely. So this has been so fun, Richard, and I almost called you Matt there. This has been so fun and so interesting. And of course, we love talking to you. I love talking to you. This has been like a great mix of like really deep and also like hilarious. So before we let you say where people can contact you, we want to know, and this is our ending question. If you were not in marketing slash cybersecurity, what would you do? What do I want to be when I grow up? I'm taking Too out poor. also cybersecurity though, because you already have a background in that. Photography. I would love to be in photography if it could pay the bills. I would love to be doing that in a, as a creative venture. But I will admit my ultimate dream job is to get back into where my roots are. 
and that's within the automotive space. Uh, what? I, yeah, I'd love to. I'd, I'd love to go work for an electric car maker like Rivian or Audi and get out there and broadcast to the world and talk about the technological growth and opportunity within that space. Like, it excites me. But I'm genuinely having way too much fun in cybersecurity to even think about that as a future. That's true. Well, maybe in, you know, a decade or so. <laughs> maybe when I grow up. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Richard Malik, for being on our show. Where can people reach out to you? How can they find you? What if they want a job uh, at Imperium? LinkedIn. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Tell me where you heard from me because then I'll actually contact you and talk to you. If you just send me a connection, I'm not going to accept it. So you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Richard Malik, M-E-L-I-C-K. You can reach out to me on Twitter, Melick. You can find me on Instagram, see all my photos I take uh, at Melick on there or Melick Photography as well. Not much on that side, but that's where you can reach out to me. And if you if you want a job as Imperium, we're hiring. We have a lot of really great opportunities to come join this team, join this organization. It's Imperium.com slash careers. Check it out. I'm not the hiring manager for, some, for any of them right now, but uh, I'd be happy to introduce anybody in after a conversation. Amazing. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you want to be on Breaking through in cybersecurity marketing, if you have an interesting story, a hot take, an opinion, a success, a failure that you think could better the cybersecurity marketing community, we want to hear from you. Email podcasts at hackervalley.com. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Wednesday.